Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pal. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Welcome, everyone. You know, I cannot believe next week is our birthday celebration where we celebrate 26 years of God's faithful to us, as well as our Heart for the House offering, where we come and give God an offering over and above our tithes in faith, believing for the best. Now, if you've just joined us, this is week four of a series called Overflow, where I talk about going beyond our limits. And with that in mind, I want to ask you, who remembers their first car? I do. It was a blue Mini Cooper S 12.75 engine. Man, I was so proud of it. In fact, I met Jan with it. You know, while I had it, that was the attraction of this little Mini. And that little Mini could beat anybody from robot to robot. Believe me, I did, and I did it often. And I kept that car so clean, and I'm still like that today. If I'm thinking of hiring you, I'm telling you now, I will walk past your car and look at it and in it. Because if your car is dirty, as a leader, the chances are your life is dirty or undisciplined. You know, that's not Bible. That's just me talking. But, you know, I tell people, don't leave your trash in my car. Because it comes down to excellence. And excellence, I really believe with all my heart, honors God. Now, that Mini was very small. Not like the ones today. Sometimes I see an old retro Mini from the 1970s. And I cannot believe how small it is. And I like shifting gears as the engine revved. When I first started driving, changing gears was, you know, you grate it till you find it, and then you pop it in, and then you let the clutch out. You know, cars have changed since the mid-70s, you know. And I'm not a mechanic, but I did know that when you changed gears at the right time, the sound of the revs was good. But when it was revving way too high, it was time for another change. The wrong gear would make the engine sound as though it was about to blow up, but the right one would sound as smooth as it could be. And you know, Durban is quite hilly. And I, you know, I learned that if you didn't shift at the right time, you lost speed and you could burn out your engine or really damage something. Did you hear me? If you didn't shift at the right time, you lost speed or did some damage. And it's the same with our lives. If you don't learn to shift a mindset at the right time, then your life will be limited. And you won't live in overflow. And some of you are trying to live like you're in first gear. You know, you're living because you won't shift your mindset about something. And that's the way you've always thought. And that's your attitude. I've always thought that way. That's the way my family thought. You know, my grandparents thought like that. And if you don't shift at the right time, you will never go to the next level in your life or in your walk with God. Now, I believe there are several different kinds of shifts. There are the natural shifts, right? You move from crawling to walking, from milk to meat, despite what Netflix says, you know, from living with your parents to independence. You know, it's a natural part of life. There are unintentional shifts, things that happen that you didn't plan for in your life or what you didn't want but they got forced on you. The job loss, you know, the divorce or, or breakup, the friend that walked away. And then there are intentional shifts. These are the best ones. Where you go, if I'm going to go to the, another level, to the next level in my life, if I'm going to go beyond my limits and overflow and live to my full potential, then I have to make a shift. 
I have to change the way I see things and go about them. Shifts like dependence to independence. It's an intentional shift. You know, it's a choice. When you realize that life is not all about you, but it's about others, which makes everything so much more, I think, fulfilling in your life. Going from, it's too hard to, I can do hard things. Did you hear me? Too many people are, I don't know. Two, I can do those things. When you get it, you'll stop quitting and settling for less in your life. How about this one? I really think this one is huge. From entitlement to empowerment. That's big, right? You don't owe me anything because I'm empowered to go and get everything God's got for me. I believe his word, so I step out into it. Are you with me? Here's another massive one, especially as we head into the heart of the house offering. The shift from greed to generosity. Did you hear me? Now, don't click offline right now because you've heard, oh, generosity. No, no, no. I'm talking about from greed to generosity, to generosity. And some of you may think, you know, that's a bit harsh. You know, I'm not a greedy person. The reality is we're all born with that propensity. Some of us more than others, you know, to look out for me and, and get what's mine, right? The core of that is greed. And if we don't intentionally put things in place, and God has done this for us, if we will obey his word, then greed only grows. So this is a massive shift in our lives. And I teach this because I really believe it will help you, I think, a lot when you get it. You know, life will become way more fulfilling. In fact, it will become enjoyable and fun. It will be less stressful. And some of you are overwhelmed and stressed because you've positioned yourself as the sole source of your provision. But if you will get generosity, get this understand and know that God becomes your provider. And that's what I'm going to show you in his word today. So if you are with me, say it like you mean it. You thought I had forgotten, didn't you? Say it like this. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. This teaching has been a life-changing teaching. I really believe it's life-changing for me. Going from greed to generosity. Because generosity produces a move of God in your life. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about the Macedonian church. And, and he's kind of bragging about them. But he's also trying to teach and grow the Corinthian church. And he says in 2 Corinthians 8, starting from verse 1, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. Those of you sitting watching me, say the word grace. This is about grace. That God has given the Macedonian churches out of a very severe trial. A very severe trial. Life hasn't been easy for them. They've been through some trials and some pain. Maybe it was a pandemic. But he says this. Out of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, their overflowing joy. So they had joy in the middle of it that was overflowing and the extreme poverty welled up in, in what? It's on the screen. In what? Rich generosity. They didn't wait until everything was right and easy, but in the middle of trials and hardships, they had an overflow of joy. In extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. This tells me that your circumstances don't dictate your joy. 
And your bank account doesn't dictate your riches. Did you hear me? Your bank account does not dictate your riches. You know, I want to just take a time out right here. You don't have to live like the rest of the world. You are people of God. Come on, get that, grasp that. The Bible says you are a peculiar people, a different people. You don't live according to the world's culture. You don't have to enter the, the chaos and negativity or the junk of this world. No, you can walk around in the middle of it with an overwhelming joy, the word of God says. Your circumstances don't have to dictate to you. And Paul says they had rich generosity, rich generosity. Next verse, verse 3 says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond. They didn't just go, oh, this is what I can do. This is all I can do. No, they went to a level of sacrifice and it says entirely on their own. Did you see that? Have a look at it. Entirely on, the on their own. This is why we talk about our heart for the house offering from about a month out. Why we teach what the Bible says about generosity so that you and God can figure out how much and whether you're going to obey him. Because generosity is never manipulated in God's word. You know, it's not an exchange for something, but it's what you decide in your own heart. You decide it in your heart. And I believe God blesses that 100%. And they did it entirely on their own. In other words, they weren't dominated, but had a heart to give. Listen to this in verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. It was the church people that begged for there to be an offering. Verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. I mean, that's really what you know, generosity is. It's the heart first. And then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, that's a friend of Paul, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So he's now switched. The Macedonians did this out of extreme poverty. They had rich generosity and they gave entirely on their own. They were not manipulated. Their arm wasn't twisted. They made that decision on their own. And he says, they didn't do what was expected. You know, they exceeded our expectation. And you know, I think we are Macedonian church. People here in this church are so generous. I've seen it over the years. I mean, can you believe how, how, how we've impacted communities, put wells and run the stand, you know, impacting young girls that are in a crisis when it comes to pregnancy, you know, and, and I've seen it so often. And then it goes on in the verse to say, you know, now we send Titus to you so that you can complete this act on your part. You say you excel in everything, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, and I believe as a church, we excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in serving people, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. Watch this. See that you also excel in this, say it with me, grace of giving. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Three times in the short passage, Paul uses the word grace. So giving is a grace. It comes out of grace. It's not a transaction. We are talking about a mind shift from greed to generosity. 
which brings the blessing of God. And you have to understand that it's grace that's upon your life. There are many acronyms for grace, like, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. And those are great. They're all good. But I believe the real definition is the theological definition of grace is divine enablement. In other words, to do something that you can't naturally do for your salvation, which is saying yes to Jesus and your sanctification, which is a big theological word, meaning the process of you growing up in your faith, of allowing God to make you more and more like his son, Jesus. It's the process where he goes, hey, let's work on this area. And then you get some victory there and you're like, cool, this is awesome, I'm arrived. And God says, no, 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 we're not done yet, Mark. You know, we've still got a long way to go. Come on. So grace is a divine enablement. You know, salvation, you couldn't get on your own. Strength and growth, you can't get on your own. To move to an overflow of generosity from greed takes the grace of God working in you because greed is in your flesh and you can't do it on your own. It's moving from life is all about me and what I can get, you know, I want to get what I want when I want it too. I know that life is about what I can give. That takes grace from God. And Paul says it three times. He calls it the grace of giving, the grace of giving. They excelled in the grace of giving. And I'm going to give you four shifts, four shifts needed to see things differently. And it will be the grace of God that helps you become, you know, all these things become a reality so that it leads to an overflow in your life. My prayer is that there will be a divine transformation in the life of every single person listening to me right now, no matter where you are, because if you can get this, it is absolutely massive and will produce fruit in your life. Are you ready? Number one, you're going to have to shift from lack to abundance. Did you hear me? You have to make that shift from lack to abundance. And some of us live with a lack mentality. We see everything through limits, you know, through what we can't do, what we don't have. Everything is the glass half empty, never half full. But if you're ever going to get to the place of generosity that leads to overflow, you have to have an abundance mentality. An abundance is not a number in your bank account. It is a mindset that gets to your heart. Are you with me? If you see through lack, you're always going to hold on to everything. You're going to hold everything tightly. You will never be able to live open-handed. You will never sow in faith, which leads to a harvest. Why? Because I don't have enough. What if I don't get enough next week? What if no more comes in? What about? What if? Maybe. Ephesians 3.20 says this, and you've got to get the reality of this and really believe it. Ephesians 3.20 now to him who's able to do immeasurably more. Why? Because we serve the God of abundance and he can do more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us. If my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills plus the hills and I am his child, then according to Ephesians once, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I am co-heir with Christ. I've been seated with him. I don't live in lack. I have access.
access to a heavenly account. So I live with an abundance mindset. Did you hear me? We can live with an abundance mindset. That's got to get deep into your spirit. I pray it does today. That's why, you know, when we were a small church with a handful of people, we would pursue things way beyond our natural ability. I didn't look at what we had because I knew it would never, never, ever be enough. It's not enough now. We don't have enough now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Are we living in the red mark? Uh, do we have ma major problems? No. We have enough for our daily running of the church. But it's not big enough for the vision that we have. So we step out in faith. And we continually step out in faith. Are you with me? I have a 50 million rands worth of vision. But we don't have that right now. But I have a God for whom 50 million rand is nothing. A God who can supply all my needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So I don't live with a lack mentality. I don't walk around and say, no, 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 we can't have a second kids holiday club in Wellington. No, sorry. No, we can't plant another campus. No, 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 we can't do that. No, we can't run a pregnancy crisis center or buy toiletries, you know, for, 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 for our children and the babies. No, 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 we can't commit to putting wells in Zambia. We don't have that kind of money. No, 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 we can't step out in faith and, and hold the stand camp. I mean, do you know how much we have to supplement the stand camp? You know, we just need to be one little church in one little location. No, never. You know, we couldn't afford to move into this building where I am right now, you know, when we moved in. We couldn't. We couldn't afford to build the foyer that was next door. We couldn't afford the daily. We couldn't afford the kids' church, Wellington campus. But we serve a God of abundance. And the most amazing thing is God has come through every single time. Wellington will be paid off, you know, after the miracle offering this year. I believe a minimum of four wells will be put into Zambia. You with me? Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now to him who is able, to him who is able. If you are living in lack, and it's like your engine is, shift the gear. Just change gear to an abundance mindset. Are you with me? Now, number two, from not now to right now. From not now to right now. The church in Macedonia didn't go, you know, Paul, we're going through a really hard time right now. We're going literally through hell. And, and what are you talking about? You want to take up an offering? <laughs> no, no, no. Bye. They weren't not now. They were right now's the time. In the middle of poverty, in the middle of severe trials, because it wasn't just trials. The Bible says it was severe trials. In the middle of it, or they go, no, no, no. We're not going to wait for another day. When, when you've got it, you know, all together, maybe then we'll do it. No, they didn't say we're going to wait until it's figured out. No, no. They started being generous right now. Do you know why? Because Proverbs says this, Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I'm not promised tomorrow that the opportunity or people God has called me to reach will be there tomorrow. That's why we didn't shut down in March of 2020. We shifted focus because it's not someday, it's right now. The need is now. The pain is real now. I can't say, ah, I'll wait to see, you know, how we come through this thing, you know. 
uh, after the pandemic, you know, then we'll plan for our future. No, we didn't stop missions giving during the pandemic. In fact, we increased it. We didn't stop caring for our community. We increased it. Why? Because it's right now. We could have pulled back, you know, stopped the wells. We didn't know how things would turn out for us. But we've got right now, we a right now mentality church like the Macedonian. And the Macedonian church had that right now mentality. Not a, ah, well, maybe, you know, not now. No, 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 maybe another day. We have to shift that gear. If you don't, you will live with lack. Listen, if you don't want to practice generosity here, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm good with that. Just go somewhere where you can, where you believe in the vision, you know, where they're making a difference. Why? I don't preach from a place of lack, but a place of abundance. Are you with me? So it doesn't bother me. I do believe you'll get your best return on investment here, but it's up to you. Number three, you have to shift gear from have to to get to. Did you hear that? I have to to I get to. You know, your heart attitude has to become, I don't have to give. Come on, I get to give. You know, I know where I came from. I know what God has brought me through and how good he's been in my life. So I don't have to, but I get to. Don't ever forget that Jesus came along as the good Samaritan and rescued you, picked you up and cleaned you up. You don't have to give, you know. You don't have to invest in God's kingdom, but you get to do it. It's a shift in your mindset. Acts 20 is awesome. It says this in Acts 20, 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, and I love these words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You have to shift gear from a have to to get to. Number four, last one, and it goes from existing to excelling. From existing to excelling. Paul said the Macedonian church excelled in giving. And he says to the Corinthian church, I want you to excel in this grace of giving. And I want to challenge you. This is the practical application part of my message. If you're going to go from just existing to excelling, in other words, overflowing, I believe there are different levels. And you may already be a faithful giver, you know, with the heart of a kingdom builder. And you're nodding your head at the screen and saying, preacher, pastor, go for it. I want to speak to you too. You can keep excelling in the grace of giving. Are you with me? This isn't a journey that ends where you say, hey, I've arrived. Well, I've done my bit. You know, Jan and I want to continually excel in giving. So here are the levels. Are you taking notes? Number one is what the Bible calls tithing. It is simply a mathematical term, not a super spiritual theological term. It means 10% of your income. What? Are you crazy, Mark? Ten, are you saying 10% of my income? Well, 100% of it came from God. And he's just asking you to honor him and put him first by returning the tenth to him, which sets you up for a blessed life. Leviticus says in Leviticus 27, 30, 
a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil. They were actually an agricultural society or fruit from the trees belonging to the Lord. Then he goes a step further. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, it belongs to God and it's holy to God. I could spend an entire Sunday just on this one verse to help you understand it. And some of you are saying, I thought there was an Old Testament thing. You know, now we're in the New Testament. You know, why are you going back to tithing? Well, Jesus also told us to tithe. He said, remember the tithe. And it should be good enough for us if it was good enough for Jesus. Then Paul said to give according to the grace that you've been given. <laughs> what percentage of your sins have been forgiven? 100%. So if you want to give God 100%, go ahead. Personally, I can't afford it. So I'm good with the 10% with me. But I have learned that you can't outgive God. Malachi tells us this in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe. Where? Where must you bring it? Into the storehouse. The modern day storehouse is the local church. A place where you're getting your spiritual food. Now, some people say, I give 1% to this organization, and I give 2% to that organization, and I give 5% to that organization. And it might make you, you know, feel good, but I want you to know you're not tithing yet. You are giving, and that's great, but the tithe is 10%, and it belongs to the local church. If you say, I don't want to give 10% here, that's fine. Find a local church you believe in that is making a difference where you can get behind the vision and where you can give your tithe. If not, you're robbing God. That's not me talking. That's the beginning of Malachi. It's clear. It's Bible. I'm just trying to teach you to live a blessed life. I want you to live under the blessing of God because there are some promises that don't come if you're only tipping God and being, let's be honest, disobedient. They only come with tithing. And I want to be clear on that. Are you with me? Carries on to say that there may be food in my house. In other words, that there would be resources in God's house to meet the needs. And God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Some of you have so burdened yourselves with debt that you really want to give. It's your heart to give. But messages like this, they really wear you down. You leave church or online or wherever you are, you know, you leave with shame going, you know, I've maxed out my credit card. I've got a car payment I can't afford. I'm behind on my rent. You know, I've had unexpected medical expenses. And you just feel, I can't even be a part of this. No, let today be a shift. Open up enough to go to somebody and say, you know what, I'm in a mess. I need some help. Are you with me? And the second level, number two, what I would call spirit-led giving. Spirit-led giving. It takes many forms, you know. And that's what our heart for the house offering is. And those of you that are tithing, you're now being led to give. Spirit-led giving. When you say, God, you've been so good to me. God, I come before you. What would you have me give in return? And that's why I say, I want you to pray about it. Why? I want you to hear the voice of God in your own heart. 
Not only does it grow you to listen for his voice, but it grows you in being generous. So I really want you to take a step and shift a gear. And if you do that at the right time, it will take you to another level of growth, producing overflow in your life, which is the miracle that the offering produces. The miracle offering produces, I believe, overflow. And so next Sunday, we're coming together through the years in our house. I'm talking about my actual home, at home. My wife and I, we prayed together. In fact, we prayed together as a family about the offering for years and what we were expecting for and trusting God for and how we are planting a seed in faith, expecting a harvest in faith. Now my boys do that in their own homes. And I want to challenge you to do the same. Talk about it and pray about it. You know, Jan and I always do that. And some of you need to start modeling faith in your home to your spouse, to your kids. And for some of you, next week, your heart for the house gift is going to be your first step towards generosity, sowing a seed in faith. And I am believing with you that in the coming year, you will get victory in your finances. But don't wait until you have the victory before you start putting God first, because it doesn't work that way. You draw near to God and God draws near to you. And for some of you, you have given an offering before, but you've never become a consistent tither. You know, you've got your gift ready for next week, and that's really good. I commend you that. That's awesome. But remember that your offering isn't your tithe. It's over and above. And I'm trusting you'll determine in this week to start tithing regularly, that you're going to go all in for the remainder of this year. And some of you are already faithful tithers. And I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you. Because great churches aren't built on the transaction of a few, or even the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of a whole bunch of people. And your reward is not only in heaven. Some of you are going to pray and ask God, and some of you already have. Some of you are prayed up. I normally know that I've heard from God because I hear the word more. It's always a stretch. You know, and some of you, you've got that figure written down. In fact, some people have already put their miracle offering into the account. They're saying, Mark, we've heard from God. We're ready to go. We've stepped out in faith and not by sight. And I want you to pray so that it's spirit-led giving and you do what God tells you to do. If we all do that together, I believe every single one of us, we will see God do a miracle with us through us, and I believe with my whole heart in our own homes and houses as well. If you build God's house, God will build your house. Remember, God gives seed to the sower, not the keeper. You know, I've seen it over and over again. Let's live a life that's overflowing. Let's live beyond our limits so that others may live. Let's live with an expectation for the miracle offering to produce a miracle, not only in our lives, but the lives of others. Let's be a people that are full of expectation for what our God can do. Let's pray. Every head bowed, if you're watching me right now, you can even close your eyes, whatever you're comfortable with. But you know what? The greatest gift giver was God the Father. He gave Jesus his only son. You are never ever more like him than when you are giving. The Bible says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave. And he gave this beautiful gift of Jesus that you and I might have eternal life. That we might have our sins forgiven. That we might have the confidence that heaven is our home. So that we can have peace with God. You don't have to leave the screen today. This service that we're having. Wondering, do I have peace with God? You can know for sure. The Bible says we've all sinned. And the only hope we have is Jesus. And that if we'll confess with our mouth. And believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will be saved. You can have that confidence and assurance today. You don't have to leave the screen wondering, you know, will my good ever outweigh my bad? Let me tell you, no, it won't. It'll never happen. But his good would definitely outweigh your bad. We never, ever leave a service without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. And so if that's you and you know you're not right with God and something is calling you to make right with him, then just pray this simple prayer after me. It goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. And today I make you my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate with you if you've just prayed that prayer. Come on, those watching, celebrate those who have made that decision. Next week, we are going to party. It's our birthday. If you made a direct deposit, please put miracle as the reference. Put your name on it. If it's for the Heart for House offering, you know, let's set ourselves up for success in the year that lies ahead by being faithful to what God has called us to do. Let's overflow with generosity, which is God's will for us. Come expect it next week. It's a step of faith without which you cannot please God. So let's walk boldly into the year that lies ahead. And don't forget to share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.